Hey everyone, it's Blake, and a quick introduction to this episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. As you know, the one and only Larry Zonka passed away in May, and he had been hosting this podcast for a long time for 411 Mania. And the staff's tribute episode to Larry is actually the most recent episode of this podcast, but 411 has decided to get this podcast going again, and uh, I just want you to know up front that uh, while I am the new host of the podcast, um, this is simply a new chapter for the podcast. This is not the new 411 on Wrestling podcast, because I will never be able to replicate what Larry did with his body of work over all the years, and uh, as I've told many people, uh, Larry has always been a reference point for me uh, as a wrestling fan. Before I even became involved with 411 as a writer and a podcaster, Larry is someone who I have always followed. Uh, He was the reference point for me for probably every single show that I've watched, and that is not an exaggeration. If I watched a show, I wanted to know what Larry thought. If I didn't watch a show, I still wanted to know what Larry thought to make sure that I didn't miss something that I needed to watch. And I think a lot of people have said that uh, since his passing. I just wanted to say that up front before we jump into the start of this episode uh, so that you guys know I am not going to try to replicate anything that Larry did because Larry uh, was a very unique figure in the uh, the professional wrestling business. And uh, again, we will continue to link uh, in the show notes to uh, the GoFundMe for Larry's family. Uh, if you haven't contributed and you want to, you can find the link to that in the show notes. And uh, please continue to share that uh, to help support his family. And uh, we thank you for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. And let's jump in to this episode. Hey everyone, it's Blake, and welcome in to this episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Today on the podcast, uh, caught up with Andrew Thompson of Post Wrestling and Andrew Thompson Interviews on YouTube to discuss a variety of topics uh, in the world of professional wrestling. We talked a bit about Matt Hardy's situation at All Out, AEW's handling of it, and really just the uh, overall theme of uh, maybe how wrestling companies handle these types of things moving forward and uh, the learning experience for AEW with this particular situation. We also went into what was basically a state of WWE over the past six months since the pandemic started, and really some of the positives that have stood out throughout this six-month period now, and maybe some of the things that haven't worked so well uh, with WWE, both from a business standpoint and also from a television standpoint in terms of uh, the on-screen product. And we also mentioned uh, some of the interviews Andrew has had uh, here over the past several months. Uh, He's talked to Christian, uh, he's talked to Vampiro most recently, and uh, a lot of other great interviews he's had, and some of the things that have stood out for him just in talking uh, to some of these stars uh, throughout the professional wrestling world. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Post Wrestling's Andrew Thompson. All right, as promised, uh, our guest today here is Andrew Thompson. Uh, he writes for Post Wrestling. Uh, he has this great YouTube channel, Andrew Thompson Interviews. And uh, Andrew, welcome in. And I hope uh, you, like many others, um, are at least uh, taking control of your intellectual property and don't have anyone uh, coming <laughs> after that right now. <laughs> oh, man, Blake, I appreciate you uh, asking me to be on, man. It's always a great pleasure to be, you know, just to ask to be do uh, ask to do stuff like this, I always appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the conversation. And uh, yeah, I do. I, I hope, yeah, I do have the uh, 
the IP to the Andrew Thompson yes. Interviews YouTube channel. You do, you do, <laughs> and they are yours, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, those later on because uh, you've done a lot of great interviews here, and, and we want to talk about some of those. But let's start off with this. Um, you know, uh, by the time this airs, it'll have been probably a week and a half, I guess, uh, or so, at that point, after the whole uh, Matt Hardy situation at All Out. And I think it's something that's still being discussed quite a bit, just because that incident in and of itself, you know, you can you can focus in on that. But it also, I think, brings about bigger questions in wrestling, and we know this. And, and one of the reasons why is it's wrestling, right? It's an athletic sport where uh, there are lots of high-risk moves and all that. For you, you know, where when you first watched it, I guess, what was your first reaction to it? Um, I'll tell you mine in a second, but I'm just curious what your first reaction was to it as you watched it. Uh, initially, when I first saw it, like, of course, you know, you're thinking, you know, Matt Mahardy's doing what he's good at. You know, he's selling. You know, that's what I thought initially was. And then, like, I probably had to... 10 seconds maybe of him standing in the exact same position and not moving any part of his body i was like oh some yeah some immediate looks better than the course you saw uh aubrey Everest throw up the x which is the you know the, the the signal for you know something seriously wrong so that was my initial reaction to it yeah it's it's one of those things where and i'll admit i i started the show a little late and you know it's one of those i guess i'm probably like a lot of people where if i'm watching a show i, I don't want to be on social media if i start it late because i know i'm gonna something's gonna get spoiled or something like that and so i i started it and i like you said you're sitting there watching it unfold and and then i think for me the point where you saw that happen and then when you saw him get up I thought that was the big part because, you you know, he's stumbling around and, and just could not stand on his legs. And then, of course, from there, Andrew, it's ugh, this guy's climbing a, a scaffold of some sort. And I think that's yeah. what, for me, and again, remember, I, I started this a little late, and so I'm not on social media. I'm not following it. I'm probably 30 minutes behind. And so, like, as he's going over to this thing, I'm tempted to, like, pull up social media and be like, please tell me I'm not going to pull up something here. And something really bad has happened. And so I think for that, like, that was the biggest thing for me because you put yourself in that situation. And, you know, it is. It's something where, you know, man, the stipulation and all that, that's fine. And I thought your friends, of course, you know, at John and Way, I thought they did the the post-wrestling show. And I thought they brought up a good point. Like, it's one of those things where you have that stipulation where if, if he loses, he has to leave the company and all this. But... We are in an era now where I think stuff like that can be completely thrown to the side in that type of situation. Uh, and I thought it was something mm-hmm. where, you know, this isn't the, the the late 80s or anything like that. Like, it's completely different now. And I don't know, man. It's the, I, like I'm still thinking about that whole situation, even as we're saying, a, a week and a half removed from it, just because of how the whole thing unfolded. Yeah, for sure. I, I I completely agree with what you just said. I mean, look, we, we call a spade a spade. It was a a, a poor decision by AEW to allow Matt Hardy to continue. I, I think that's just what it is. You know, of course he he appeared on Dynamite. Um, you know, when that when this was aired, it'll be last week. Um, yeah, he appeared on Dynamite, and you know he addressed the situation and said that he expects to make a full recovery. I don't think they ever said or he he ever said that he had a concussion. Yeah. And uh, they I don't think that that was ever really brought up. But I just think it was a really bad decision to let him continue like i mean of course we, we don't know what exactly matt said or his conversation what, what was his conversation with the doctor but i think everybody assumingly um you know thought, thought what matt told the doctor is what every wrestler would have told anybody in that situation is that they're okay like we've seen situations like that with tegan knox when she yeah. 
completely completely blew her knee out like in in the most worst fashion and she kept telling the referee in the ring i'm good i'm good i'm good and you know ultimately we all know what ended up happening and i think that's just a, a wrestler's thing when they get hurt you know they they like to continue going to finish out the match and you know and and, and, and you know I, I, another point that you brought up, another good point you know and i've seen other people bring up this point as well is just the fact that he had to climb a scaffold yeah. and then like you and then you could see sammy Guevara had to like lift him up and I was like, "Ooh, that's not yeah. that, that's not like if like if he can't get up there, like it, it's already bad enough that he that he's continuing the match. But if he can't get up there on his own his own will, and I don't think that's you know I don't think that was a smart idea. No, that that was something like I said, it it was truly terrifying. I think just to watch that again for I guess specifically for me, someone who was behind. I'm sure there's many other people who either watched the replay or something and maybe had no idea. And just watching that, I think unfold was definitely scary and I thought something else you know and we won't stay on this too long but it was something I wanted to talk to you about because it has been such a big issue and really you know you think back I mean you know there have been injuries throughout wrestling and we know and one of the things you know Arn Anderson on his podcast this week um, talked about they were talking about Night of Champions which is 2015 when you had the Sting and Seth mm. Rollins match and um, you know Arn was sort of talking about okay who has the authority to stop these kind of matches of course it's going to be in the hands of the medical team or the trainer or the doctor whoever's out there um, and he kind of talked about it, you know, because that match was something where it's a main event on a pay-per-view. And again, this is five years ago, but he's like, okay, well, we know how that match finished. It was one where, you know, Sting gets hurt on the buckle bomb and, and they, they go to the finish and all that. But, you know, it's also a very interesting situation because like he said, well, what's, what's the thinking at the time you have a main event here for a, for a world title. And do you stop the match? Do you do all this others? And like, to me, it's, it's one of those things where, man, you know, the people making those decisions, like they have to make sure they're making the right decisions because I think, you know, as Conrad Thompson, who of course hosts the podcast, brought up, it's like, what if something like serious, seriously goes wrong with like, let's say Sting in that match? And it's just, I mean, we know the extent of the injury afterwards, but it is something I think in wrestling, because as we say, I mean, these are guys who they want to, to do this performance for, for the fans. They want to be able to, to pull through and do anything they can to put on the best performance possible. But there are times like that where, man, it's just it's hard to watch that kind of stuff, knowing that, look, this stuff's going to happen because injuries are just normal in this sport because, again, is a very physical, high-risk type of deal. And uh, it's just something that you hope this is one of those learning experiences. But like you said, I want to bring up that real quickly, too. I thought AEW did a really good job in terms of the fallout of it, basically having him come out and say, look, this is kind of how everything happened. Um, they weren't basically poking fun at it. Uh, they were just saying, you know, here's what it was, and uh, let, let's move on from it. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they did. You know, I, I give them credit on letting Matt just go out there and you know speak his mind and you know speak his piece regarding the situation. Um, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how you know. I mean, cause, cause obviously the handle like the handling of concussions has yeah. gotten way better over the past couple of years, specifically speaking about professional wrestling. But it, it's gonna be interesting to see how you know AEW reacts to you know these type of situations hopefully they don't happen again but you know it's professional wrestling like this you know ain't going out there you know bump, bumping on a trampoline yeah. you know what I mean or fall, falling off of you know anything like it's you know so ho hopefully these situations don't happen again but it'll be interesting to see how you know 
they'll handle it, you know, going forward. It's a learning experience. And uh, look, like we said, at least, you know, Matt's okay, as far as we know. And uh, it's something where it could have been a lot worse. And uh, so AEW uh, can move on from that. And uh, again, just focus on it as a, as a learning experience uh, and hopefully uh, do better with those situations uh, in the future and uh, be able to uh, celebrate uh, those uh, 1 million viewers they got uh, there on their most <laughs> recent episode of Dynamite 2. But I think Andrew and I could discuss uh, the AEW uh, NXT uh, situation uh, another time. We could probably spend an hour, but I don't want to keep Andrew too long because uh, he's, he's, he's got more people to interview. So let's um, let's dive into to WWE here for a second, Andrew. Uh, we wanted to kind of do this as basically – a state of the WWE, I guess we'll call it. I mean, it is what it's a it's an election year, so we can sort of do a, a state of the address, I, I guess, in some sorts. Um, but it is it's so fascinating to me that we look up and it is mid September, and it has been six months basically since I guess the whole pandemic started. I, I'm thinking back. I want to say it was around March 13th or so was when everything started yeah. to sort of <laughs> you know go in the opposite direction, and and of course everybody's kind of talked about it and. Um, it's certainly not, you know, a situation anybody wants to, to make lighthearted comments about, but it, it does feel like it's been five years since then. Like, it feels like it has been such a long year with all of this going on, but mm-hmm. it is, you know, in the landscape of WWE, there have been a lot of things happen in these six months, and some good, some bad, I think a lot of people would say, uh, in terms of some of the best and worst. And I guess for you... As you look at this six-month period, let's just kind of dissect it at that area. What are some of the things maybe to you that have stood out? And we'll start with the positives. What are some of the biggest things, maybe the biggest positives that you feel like WWE has done has done throughout this, you know, I guess we can call it the pandemic era still since we're in it. Um, but what are some of the things that just stood out to you, maybe the things that you feel like, that certainly have been challenges, as we know, with all the things going on, not being able to run live events, have fans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what are some of the things that have kind of stood out for you? Uh, specifically speaking on a positive front, you know, we I think they have a you know a, a, a couple of negatives attached to them as well. I think that's fair to say. But uh, you right, know, to, yes. to, to be speaking on a positive note, um, I, I will say I, I do kind of like their adjustment uh, as as recently to the Thunderdome. I really think that kind of enhances the overall look of the WWE product. Cause I don't, I, I just didn't feel like the performance center was really cutting it. And I, and, and I, I really wasn't like too, too tuned into that, uh, for, for, for the months leak going into the performance center. Like I was kind of in and out of it, but still of course tuning in, but like, wasn't really paying attention, but I feel like the Thunderdome has been more of a, you know, a, a, a big leap, a big step up, uh, to, towards where they need to go in order to keep people tuned into the product. And, um, for specifically speaking about NXT, I was always interested to see how NXT was going to react during the pandemic, like as far as their right. product goes, because their product is so like based on the reaction of the crowd. And like, I mean, that that's all the professional wrestling, but specifically speaking about WWE, it's like NXT is like that. It, it's like, I, I, I don't want to call it like, is that, that calling it indie is very like far from it, but it's like, right. but it's like, you 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 give it up. You give it up. Trying to get at with this, I can't find. You have that hardcore yeah, exactly. fan base. Exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so dedicated to what you're doing, exactly. and that's again, that's why we love it, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the biggest reasons. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's what I was I was trying to get at, and like I, I was very like, and the 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 takeovers haven't been what they what they were, you know, like like the last the yeah. last one I think before the pandemic was in Portland, and when you look at that card. Like you, you just look at it on paper. 
it doesn't seem like something that's just like, you know, blow you out the water type thing. But when you watch the show, like, and the crowd is so hot, like the whole yeah. night, and it just enhances every single match on the card. And I think that's just what on the big thing. And when you look at um, the, the 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 takeover mania weekend, and then you look at the the uh, the takeover in your house, and you look at the most recent takeover, like those were good shows. But like, man, it's it's not it's just not the same. Like when you like when when I watch these takeovers, I'm just like, dude, like I'm just constantly comparing it to you know when they're in these these uh these NBA arenas or the you know, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, just like. It is crazy the comparison between the two because the, the energy is not the same. Like they feed off the, the the crowd in these shows, man. So you know that that's probably one of the, you know, one one of the bigger letdowns. But you know, as far as like other stuff, you know, of course, you know them re- releasing that great deal of talent. You know, I I, yeah. I think, I mean, you you know, I'm 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 not in the the. Uh, you know, of course, I'm not in the, the the business of WWE, so I don't necessarily know exactly what led them to making those decisions exactly. Like you can hear, you know, second party, third party sources, you know, speaking about it, but like I, I don't know exactly. But it just seems like, you know, that it, it just like when you look at the like the investment in the the XFL and stuff like that, and you know, comparing it to that. And I heard um, Andrew Yang speak about this, and that's where I got that point from when he uh, was interviewed by Chris Van Vliet. You know, he mentioned that they, yep. uh, you know, their investment in the XFL and they lost so much money off of that. And you know, about, and and it's, it's like it, it's kind of a, a a weird situation because you know the XFL got taken down, and then that's a huge loss. And then you know, of course, with the the amount of talent they had signed to these mega contracts, but it's like that's kind of a situation they put themselves in in a way. But you know, I, I think overall. It's been a very up and down year for WWE, I would say. Um, I think, of course, you know, WrestleMania being the biggest of them all, you know, I think that was the just the biggest blow because I, I I can only imagine the the the, the live gate or the you know just the the merchandise sales that they were probably going to make just from people being in attendance and uh you know at the stadium that day. Yeah, and I think a lot of people when it first started, of course, the handling of it, um, you know, with testing and everything, that was something that was talked about. A oh lot. yeah, that was and, yeah. You know, I, and, yeah. and I think you know to this point, you know, I don't think there's been a lot that's come out in terms of maybe towards the the negative side of that. Since maybe they've addressed some of those those early flaws that they had with all of that, but um, that was definitely something like you said when we reflect back on it, it's just that that was at the very beginning. It was just sort of how that they were handling it, and of course you had the same people talking about AEW and certain protocols they had and everything too. So it wasn't just a WWE thing, and I think it's important. And you kind of brought it up earlier, but putting everything in perspective in terms of not having fans, having to adjust so much on the fly, and really, you just said it a second ago. You're you're starting this whole transition in what is always your biggest event of the year, the one that brings you the mm. most money, and it is, man, it, it's tough. And, and you know, for any of us, if we were in that position, uh, it, it's hard to kind of you know what they say, you know, the throw stones, I guess, because if any of us were in that position, uh, there would be a lot of things that would probably be on our plate. But that's why uh, Vince uh, gets a lot of money. Uh, it's still something that you know I think back to that and, and really. You know, too, it's if you look at it just from a, a talent standpoint, you know, Roman Reigns wasn't there for a long time. I mean, he's back now, and, I mean, he's, for me, he's better than ever. Like, I love what they're doing with him now. Um, mm. And, of course, we think, too, like, Becky Lynch, gone after WrestleMania. Like, from a talent standpoint, you're trying to get through this era 
without two of your biggest stars. And I think that's mm. something that you put in perspective too, in terms of just the on, you know, the television product, we're not talking about the business side of it uh, in that aspect, but when you right. just look at it from the, from the television product, which again, I guess too, from a business perspective, those are two of your biggest draws. And so um, it is, you know, kind of a hit too, for, from a business perspective, not just from not being able to run live events and all that other stuff. But um, you know, I guess let's, let's take it to that because you know, a lot of people have talked about this has also been an era where, look, they've gotten creative. And I think that's something it's not just yeah. WWE. It's it's many other promotions, right? Everyone's gotten creative. We've seen the cinematic matches. Um, we've seen some of the things that I think we could spend a pretty good amount of time on here with some of the recent additions. And, and it's hard to believe. I think it's actually been about a month, maybe a month and a week now since Raw Underground and Retribution both made their debut. And uh, that was... Uh, what do you think about those, Andrew? Because I, I've actually seen, I think I've seen a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot, but I've seen a certain group of people start to come around to the raw underground aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen very many people come around to the retribution <laughs> aspect of it. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to be positive and say that uh, maybe there is a payoff coming that is going to make this much better. But uh, but believe it or not, like those are two things though that we think about. And again, this is more in the the short term than in that long uh, six month period we're covering here. But uh, what have you thought just about things like that? Because it seems like those were they had that reset, which it seems like we have in WWE every couple weeks now, where uh, you know a script's torn up and we start over and we come up with a couple ideas. Specifically, those two ideas. What have you thought? So you know, on those two, and I just want to touch on a, a point you made earlier. I think cinematic matches have probably been one of the better things yep. that have happened during the during this pandemic, this era of wrestling. I think that's been one of the more fun things to tune into, honestly. And um, you know, Raw Underground. I, I am interested in Raw Underground. I'm not gonna lie. I I'm, I like the, the the concept. I feel like. I feel like now that they've been in it for a couple of weeks, I feel like now is the time to like introduce like something new or like something for these people to be fighting for. Not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a championship per se, but it needs to be something like, you know, just have someone to lie, add, add stakes to it. Like, you know, it, it could be something like, you know, if this guy, uh, comes to Raw Underground, you know, right. And you, it's like, you could do a number one contender, number one contenders match for the, you know, for the U S title or something like yep. that. You know what I mean? Like just, just add stakes to it, make people more engaged and I'm I'm kind of I'm 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 interested in the raw underground. I, I like that. As far as retribution goes, I feel like um, we're we're starting to hit that point where people are kind of getting antsy as to <laughs> they just want to find out who yeah. these people are. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and man, you you can see some of the stuff on social media, and you know people kind of like putting the pieces together, like you know by body types and you know eye color and stuff like that. Like you've seen everybody can i mean i think everybody can kind of tell like the 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 biggest one of the group looks like dajakovic i think that's <laughs> kind of obvious like you kind of tell us him yep. but i mean i think that that's kind of one of the things i think a lot of people are just kind of like okay you know it might be time to just reveal these guys and like and when they do reveal them like what, what like what, what is the long term thing whatever with retribution i'm i'm curious about that as well i just want to see like what 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 they are going to do with them, but I mean I I, I can't like because I, I I'm I, I know I can be like even me sometimes as a fan I can be one of those like you know oh well I I want to see you know I want to see who they are I want to see the big payoff and then I end up you know I complain about you know uh <laughs> that the lack of long term storytelling or something like that but like it, it so I I try not to be like that sometimes but you know I, I'm just interested to see who these individuals are. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, like you said, because it is, and you you brought up a point about stakes and, and payoff. Like, I think those are two things that, you know, if you just have those two things right, like, you can actually make something that's maybe not a great idea from the beginning turn into actually something that's pretty good if you just have the right stakes and you just have the right payoff. And I think that's the case with both of these, like with Raw Underground and the Retribution storyline is... Do they have that long-term plan? And, of course, we'll all kind of look back and say, well, you know, Vince McMahon's long-term uh, planning <laughs> ha- hasn't been so great over the years. Um, I think right now a lot of people would say that if we compare the, the top two, which we're talking about WWE and AEW, a lot of people would say that AEW obviously probably does a much better job with its long-term storytelling. And I think that's one of the things that, that hooks yeah. fans is because they do that. And I think for WWE, you know, fans, we all want that. Like, we all, it doesn't matter what company it is. We just want a good story. And I think that's something uh, that always helps. You can have the best athletes. And, again, this is a discussion, too, that people can have in terms of do you just need the wrestling or just need a good story? Like, you need both, right? You need to have both for it for everything to work. And so uh, I think this is a case with some of these. And we'll see. I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to be positive on retribution, but I I don't know that my positive in terms of the scale of what it could get to is going to be as positive as potentially with Raw Underground, although I think both uh, certainly uh, can still use some tweaks, uh, like you said, to get to where they want to go with that. Anything else, Andrew, anything else that maybe has stood out uh, for you here um, just in terms of, you know, we talked about Roman Reigns. I think the heel turn is obviously something that many people have been asking for for it seems like you know forever now. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I will say one of the things that I thought that really stood out just from the summer here, this this six month period. I think just the the evolution of this Bailey and Sasha thing. Um, I think that's been a, a really big bright spot because I think it allowed both of them. And again, some people may argue that it, it took long to get to this point, but. I think both of them as characters, and again, we go back to that storytelling, I thought they just did such a great job. Get with what they were given, and that's what mm-hmm. we say too. Like, to be great, you know, it's not always what you're given, it's what you turn it into. And I think for them, like, what they've been able to do this summer is kind of, they really became the, the face of, I guess, SmackDown or even some of the other shows at times uh, for several yeah. weeks or a month at a time there. I thought those have been two of the things, of course, and, and the the rain seal turn, like, that's a layup. We all know. I mean, it's it's been something that people have been asking for, but I really think uh, that Bailey and Sasha have also been a pretty big bright spot through this period yeah i definitely think sasha banks and bailey have you know definitely in the running for for wwe's uh mvps of the year for sure they they've you know essentially got them through the, the summer for the most part you know working raw smackdown and some weeks even nxt and uh you know I, I'm, I'm i'm like just over the years you know this sasha banks and bailey story has been you know kind of uh, uh, up and down like as far as like, I mean well not up and down but on and off I should say like you know they've they've gone you know their own separate ways sometimes and then you know they bring them back together and you know they have these little moments of like heated heated battles like they've attacked each other in the past and like I, I feel like now is the time when WWE is actually going to go like full you know full throttle with it and go all the way through with the story I do feel like this Sasha Banks and Bailey feud does deserve a crowd like I, I think yeah. it's like because because have you seen that um that uh that WWE documentary that they did about the about their takeover Brooklyn match? Yes, I thought that was that? excellent. Yes. Man, that was great. Like, and I I'm, <laughs> I love that because like it, it's it spotlighted them in a very unique yep. way, and it just shows that they they're both at the end of the day as big as they are, as popular as they are, as famous they are. Like that literally just showed you like they are just two massive wrestling fans. Like that just 
put put that in perspective right there. So and and then at that it isn't you know it isn't bad that they you know they're really all best friends. So you know it's I'm I'm really interested to see how this story plays out. Like hopefully you know they don't do the whole thing where like they bring Sasha back after like two weeks. Like I think she should stay off TV for quite some time and you know try to just just delay it a little bit. And and you know then at Bailey I think is. I think next month it'll be Bailey. Um, she'll be four year, four year SmackDown Women's Champion. Like I got, I got, I got to get. I honestly got to get Bailey uh her credit, like cause she, cause she, she really has done like a really, really good job at being champion. Cause like you know, like and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can agree to this sentiment. Like j- just with champions overall like, in any promotion, like it's kind of like, you know, you, 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 you happy for them for a little bit, and then like after a while, kind of gets stale. Right. But like with like with Bailey, I, I, I haven't ever gotten that you know that feeling of stillness from her and it's, it's weird like like throughout her you know the past year that she's been champion like I think she's done like a really really solid job of, of being champion so I mean and I, I'm just interested to see where it goes and of course the reigns the reigns uh situation that he got going on with with Jey Uso I'm interested in that as well you know uh with the the whole cousin thing going on I think that was a unique position to go um uh, ultimately, I think the end goal for this. Hopefully, I think the end goal for this is going to be a, a Biggie and Reigns program at the end of this. But, but like just with the just with the blood the the bloodline storyline that's going on right now, like a just a, a, like I say about five percent of me thinks that the the plan is for Roman Reigns to 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 meet one Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and like I, I, I just can't help but think that's the ultimate goal. And I think Big E might be a, a pit stop for Roman Reigns. Like it, 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 it might be a good, a good pit stop. Like as far as storytelling goes, but I, I don't think that's the, the end all be all for Roman Reigns and him defending that universal title. Something tells me WWE will wait to get some fans back before they run oh, a, oh, a, yeah. a Roman Reigns versus Rock match. But yes, uh, no doubt that would be a lot of fun. And you said, I mean, Bailey's character has just it's come so far, and and it, it's so interesting to think back to where she was at in NXT, and then you think about just the complete opposite character, and I think that shows you the strength of a worker and a performer is to be able to play two characters that are so completely different. Um, and we've seen the greats do that over the years, and so, certainly. So- I was like, Blake, I wanted to ask you something. So just to get your opinion on this, would you say, like, and I, I just want to, would you say that Sasha Banks and Bailey changed the, well, of, of course, like, I think they changed the perception of women's wrestling in WWE, but would you, uh, well, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you, what, what impact do you think they've had on, on on how people view women's wrestling dating back to their takeover Brooklyn match? Because obviously, you know, in independent, well, independent wrestling has been going on for forever and i mean i'm specifically speaking uh women's independent wrestling like of course that's been going over so long you have promotions like shine shimmer yep and so so many other different promotions out there but like specifically speaking about sasha and bailey like what impact do you think they've had on you know how people view women's wrestling just because of the popularity that they have and that maybe not people having the access to watch a shine or show or not being aware of a shine or a shimmer or you know any of those promotions that specifically spoke focus on uh women's wrestling in, uh, in north america oh yeah no it's been huge and I, I think there's no doubt about it because we think too i mean we talk about the evolution of sort of women's wrestling but really the evolution of nxt like as they came along 
I mean, we think about it. Like, remember, I mean, it, you know, we think about when NXT first started and then to get to where it got to, you're talking about these two are, are main eventing a show and then that becomes the norm, right? Like, it's not something mm-hmm. that's a one-time thing. It becomes the norm. And it's not just doing it to do it. It's doing it because they're that good. And I think that's something, too, that people have to keep in mind is it's it's just not something that, that WWE would do at this point just to say, okay, this is a first or this is something like this. It's like they're good enough. Like I think there have been many points, and this was even probably before this whole pandemic era, where you could look at WWE television, any show you watched, and you could say that whatever the women's program was at the time was a lot more intriguing than whatever some of the main storylines were with some of the men's. So of course, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I think you could say that. And I, no, I that's could, true. I mean, it is. And, you know, of course, the Becky Lynch thing helped. And, and there have been lots of interesting stuff, of course, with Bailey and Sasha, as we talked about, um, you know, Charlotte, all this, all these others that, that have come along. Asuka, I mean, I, I love Asuka. Like, I think she is just fantastic. And she's one of those that we talk about playing characters and being so versatile in terms of what you can do i mean she's obviously right up there too i mean i don't think there's any doubt in terms of what she's been able to do so it has i mean you talk about those two specifically but just as a group i think this group that wwe has or as has had i guess before becky left and all that but like these are are fantastic performers and i think that Mm -hmm. has helped them come along so much and like you mentioned it's helped grow just the the overall prospect of of women's wrestling in terms of worldwide. And again, even if it's someone who, like you said, doesn't have access to some of these other promotions, if you're just watching it on a WWE scale, it's something that really stands out. And I think that's been one of the the, the biggest things with them is that they've been the two, again, just in the short-term period here, They've been the two that have pushed everything forward, but it does go back so much further than that because they were two of the first ones, as we know, uh, because of that match, because of everything they did in NXT uh, that have really helped push this whole thing forward. Yeah, 100%. Man. I, I, I agree with what you just said. And just like when you mentioned Oscar, man, I was just thinking about like, you like you I don't like the, the career that she's had in WWE, like she has like tallied up a lot. Like yeah. she's money in the bank, Royal Rumble winner. Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion, Raw Women's Champion, uh, multiple times, NXT Champion, Tag Team Champion. Like, she is like very, very versatile. And like, you can just tell they can slot her in a bunch of positions and they know that she'll come through. And like, I, I think Oscar has had a, you know, a fantastic career in WWE, man. Like, she, she, she's great. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, I don't even remember why I did this, but I actually went back, it was probably about a month ago. I went back and watched her first match in NXT against Dana Brooke, and it was one of the or what it was like her first uh, the takeover match, and it was like, man, you knew then like, she was just. I mean, and again, you, if you <laughs> if you followed her career before, like I know a right, lot of right, people right. did, like you already knew what you were getting. But it's when you watch that just in the WWE setting, it's just man, you you just knew that they were going to be able to use her personality, use the character, and and it was just, it was something, even to watch her back then, which that's been, what, five years ago, I guess now. Um, just, boy, she, she was fantastic, and she's still fantastic. But, yeah, it's no doubt. I mean, you look at this this age uh, of women's wrestling, and, and we can, you know, you can talk a lot about negatives with WWE and anything you want, but, man, they've they've really seen some of these, these characters and these performers uh, move forward uh, without a doubt. But, uh, all right, Andrew, let's talk about some of your interviews, because I want to make sure we get to that before we wrap up um you have been interviewing a lot of people 
Um, you're, you're talking to everybody. I know you most recently had an interview with Vampiro talking about his awesome documentary. I would highly check anyone check that out. Uh, it's a really good. And what? Just let me let me ask you this before we talk about the Vampiro one. What are some of the favorite ones you've done? Because I, you've had Christian on, you've had a lot of different people on uh, your interview channel there on YouTube. Uh, what are some of your favorite interviews you've had? Uh, most recently in the day, I would say probably my favorite interview. One of my favorite interviews was when I interviewed James Tillis, and he was the um, the former head of security of WWE yes. from ni- 1997 to 2011. <laughs> and Matt, like, it, it, it was like, I, I did not plan for that interview to go as long as it did. But like me and Jen, like we just, we just started. So, and then of course the off camera, off, I mean you know, the off, uh, yeah, off camera conversations, like James is a good dude. And like just hearing the stories he had, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it, it was just a, a real cool conversation. It, it just flowed. Like I didn't even realize it was two hours long. It was just probably one of the best conversations I've had as far as the interview goes, like just hearing the stories he had. And it's like, it's, Send me a couple of the uh, the pictures he had with some of the guys you know, throughout the years, like John Cena, and he he was like um he one of the pictures he sent me was um it was him and and Stone Cold like on the way to the Astrodome yeah. over for WrestleMania, <laughs> and that that was just cool as hell, bro. Like I was just, yeah. just like just, just seeing that stuff. And uh, another one of my favorites is uh when I got the interview Fred Yeah. Like that, that's always somebody I've really kept a, a close eye on throughout the years. Like just seeing like a, cause like, well, I always thought Fred Yehai was one of those guys who never really got like a, uh, an, I don't want to say a fair shake cause I, I would say he has gotten a fair shake, but I, I'm, I mean like as far as like people noticing what he can do and what right. he can be. And I, I just saw, and it's always good for me, you know, just seeing like a, I always like seeing like a strong black man or a strong black woman in like in these very spotlighted spots in professional wrestling. That's always good to see just, just on my end. And, and you know, Fred Ye has, of course, one of those people. Um, of course, Christian was another one. You know, that's, you know, watch him all the time when I was <laughs> five, six years old, seven years old, copying his moves on the couch and stuff like that. So that, you know, so that, that, that was, that, that was like, and I was nervous as hell before that interviews anyway. But, um, and, and yeah, those, those are just, uh, three that, that come to mind. Uh, I interviewed Nick Gage, uh, at Starcast last year, which was with, with like, and, and the crazy thing about that one is like, you you know, you you see you see Nick Gage at these shows, man. You know, you know, you're a wild dude. But like, I know when I walked up to him and I asked him, "Can I do the interview?" Could like probably one like one of the chillest people like I've ever met. Like, dude was like, "Hell yeah, man!" You know, come sit down. I, I think he took somebody else's chair that was sitting down and like gave me a seat to sit at. And I was, it, it was just, it, it was cool. And I saw him at the um later that night. He had a show. Um, in Vegas, and I ended up going to that show, and I, I saw him there. And you know, he, you know, shake my hand, and you know, just does talk to me a little bit before he went out there and did his uh his match and stuff. Like it, it was cool, man. Like so, you know, I, I've had the the pleasure of getting to speak with some people, man, and just you know, say so it, it, it's just cool. All you know, being a lifelong wrestling fan, just getting able to you know do do that stuff with people you you know you watched on TV and seen at these shows. Yep, doesn't matter if you're an interviewer or a fan. There's always that, like you said, you you go up to them and you, there's always going to be that intimidation. It's just like you know, these <laughs> these are your guys, right? And again, it's it's even for people you know like us who you know the opportunity to to be able to to cover this, and it's just right. something where it doesn't matter. Like we're all fans, and we all want, uh, you know, we we all love this, and I think it's just something that uh, it is. It's intimidating no matter what. Uh, the Vampiro interview. What 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 was the uh, biggest thing that stood out from you on that? Like you said, you talked to him about the uh, the documentary and all that, and just a, a very good documentary in terms and that's a guy who's had a career you want to talk about somebody who's you know certainly had a career with lots of different places and just what he's been able to do uh certainly i'm sure that was a, a very entertaining one too 
Yeah, it, it was a good interview for the time I got to, to speak to him and, uh, and and also Michael Patz, who right. uh, was the director behind the documentary. Um, but probably the most interesting part was just, you know, he, hearing how Michael, like, learned from Vampiro, like, during their time working together and, like, all the stories he had from him. And it was just more so of, like, knowing, like, the, the, the struggles that Vampiro has had, you know, even with mental health and, you know, the, the 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 pain that he put his body through over the years and how that's tallied up on him over the years. And like just hearing Michael's perspective from that, seeing him and being around him so much. And, uh, you know, of course, I'd not be remiss to 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 I'd be remiss not to mention, you know, the kind words that he said towards yep. the end of the interview, because I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> I was just because the, the, the guy who was um who who coordinated the interview, who was just you know, he, he told me he was like, it's time to wrap it up. And I was like, OK, I'm going to just you know, send it over to them, let they get their plugs in and, you know, I'm going to see my way out. And then, you know, Vampiro just dropped that on me. And I was, you know, of course, on the inside, I was freaking the hell out. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I played it, played it cool on the outside. But it it was just cool to hear, man. Like, I, I really wasn't expecting that at all. So that was some, you know, it's a nice little, you know, self-esteem boost right there, man. You know, it's always good to receive compliments and stuff like that. So that was that that, that was something real cool and something, I, um, you know, old type. Yep, no, he gave you a great compliment, and I would suggest for anyone uh, to go watch that uh, on YouTube because uh, he did. He had some very kind words for you, and they were very warranted, Andrew, because uh, you do a great job. And I'm not just saying that because uh, you're on the podcast with me. I would tell you that uh, even if you weren't, and uh, you do a fantastic job. Any Anything you got uh, in the works here, any upcoming interviews uh, you want to talk about or uh, any other work that you have coming up? Uh, you, you can check um, all my work is up on uh, around my written work is up on post wrestling, of course. And, you know, as you you know, graciously mentioned, I appreciate you plugging the YouTube channel. That means a lot. And I greatly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, on Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube and, you know, uh, I, I do have an interview uh, it, it set up. But, you know, I always like to, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm big on um, what is it not, not jinxing it. Yep. <laughs> so, 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 so I, I just I just like to keep you know until it's finally finished then, then you know then I start talking about it. but I do have some lined up that I you know I, I think people are, are like it's not like a I, I want well you know it, it, it I, I don't like to downplay my guess I'm not gonna say it's like a super <laughs> super duper big like but but it, it, it's something I'm interested in more more so independent scene wise I would say that and, and that's something I'm always interested in is covering people who are on the independent scene which I you know I kind of kind of adore that a little bit I always love talking to people that's you know, on the independence. So, you know, I, I think people will enjoy it and, uh, you know, it'll be up uh, next week. Everybody has a story in wrestling. We know that. And uh, usually always uh, some fun twists along the way. So uh, look forward to that. And, yes, as Andrew said, be sure to check out uh, his work, Andrew Thompson Interviews on YouTube. We'll link to it in the show notes and all that good stuff. And at Post Wrestling uh, with John Pollock waiting over there. I've been listening to those guys uh, for years and years and years. And Andrew's on there with him as well in addition to the writing work he does. Uh, So check that out. And, uh, Andrew, listen, man, this was a lot of fun. Definitely going to have you back on again. I really appreciate you doing this. No, I'm like, I appreciate you asking me on, man. This is a good, real good conversation, man. And, you know, hopefully we get to do this again. Thanks again to Andrew Thompson of Post Wrestling and Andrew Thompson Interviews on YouTube for joining the podcast today. And uh, just a quick reminder of what all we have going on over at 411mania.com. Of course, all of our live coverage of all the big shows uh, throughout the week, all over at 411mania. You can check those out if you aren't already. Jeremy Thomas, uh, Tony Acero, all those guys uh, do a tremendous job. And be sure to check out all the columns, all the TV reports we have over at 411 Mania. And uh, you can go back through uh, if you want to check out some of the other stuff uh, we have as well. Uh, Jeremy uh, Thomas also reviewed Vampiro documentary, which we talked about uh, with Andrew. 
and lots of other stuff, uh, as always, over at 411 Mania. So thanks again to all of you uh, for listening to this episode of the podcast. As I mentioned in the show notes, uh, you can check out the GoFundMe uh, that is still there for Larry's family. Continue to share that. Also, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. And uh, again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Be safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.